Hello, friend. Welcome to the Watery Desho podcast. We are so happy to have the pleasure of your company. If this is your first time listening, sit back, relax. We hope you enjoy. If you are coming back because you enjoy our content and you'd like to support us, you can go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Desho. We've got all kinds of fun rewards and bonus content like early access, Discord roles, additional audio and video content, all in three budget-friendly tiers. If you're not able to support us financially, no biggie. We totally understand. If you'd like to help us out uh, for free, you can always give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, which helps our discoverability. You can follow us on SoundCloud, on Twitter, at WaterWeDesho. You can always send us an email at WaterWeDesho at gmail.com if you want to correspond with us. We may not get to read every correspondence on the show, but I can promise you that we do read and try to respond to every single one, because we do love our community, which we hope you'll be a part of. Thank you for your kind attention, friend, and without further ado, let's get to the show. Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, and MBs. Welcome to Waridesho's Stream of Four. I am Shaden, son of Jim, ancestor or descendant of some random Irish prick I've never met, because I didn't check my genealogy, and I'm here to do battle with episode 7 of Vinland Star. Not really, I'm just going to talk shit about it as usual. But join me as always is stalwart comrade and warrior in arms, the Subtle Doctor. Yo, everyone. Yo, Shadon. You know, I didn't expect you to go this direction in the intro. Uh... So I don't have I'm anything. A, I'm a wild, I don't have anything I'm to a play. Wild beast, man. <laughs> I don't have anything to play off of that. But I think this is going to be a fun episode, Shadon. And I'll well, do, do, uh... do you, you want to know why? <laughs> I, I know exactly why you think it's going to be a fun episode. And funnily enough, I'm actually going to contend against that later in the talking point. Oh, okay. There's a there's there's a big massive question mark over this whole thing. But hmm. believe me, folks, we will cover that soon enough. Oh, we'll wait co- a minute. We'll though. get there. Seriously, though, that's. That has nothing to do with why I think this is going to be a fun episode of Stream of Thought. Why I think it's going to be fun is because I feel like you have to... This is... There's a tweet that's come across my timeline. And oh, now, nary a more important tweet has come across said timeline, at least lately. So I need to, I need to put this to you <laughs> and to all of you. Because I looked down a moment ago at my phone... When we were doing prep and was like, oh my god, this question. <sighs> Alright, here it is. I'm going to lay it on you. It's important. You have to follow me here. We, You may get lost in the twists and turns, but... Uh-oh. All the forks and spoons are dirty. What do you use to eat your mac and cheese? What do you do? Because, I mean... well. How do you, you consume it? Com- you don't want to like just go like out of the bowl like you're uh, like you're a, a dare I say a Viking, right? You don't want to do that. I think that's exactly the reason you should do it, just to be in tune with your Viking ancestry. Come on. Failing that, you can always pour it into a glass and just drink it. <laughs> you just all right. 
Can you imagine doing that in public? Just like macaroni from a glass, macaroni from a glass. I was gonna no, say the. I was gonna say real uh, trick. It. Go with tongs or like a skewer. Mm. Like you could use a skewer, like uh, for for when Too you do big. barbecue, just mm. skewer like five to you know nine shells, and then there you go. You're no. you're good. And you the again, obvious solution is you and get, you look refined. You the obvious solution, you get a big milkshake, you pour your milkshake out onto a plate, and you pour your macaroni and cheese into the milkshake, and then you eat them both that way. That's you know. disgusting, and I don't want to hear about it ever again. <laughs> well, you did ask the question. Don't, you know, don't open Pandora's box if you don't want to know what's inside. I'm just saying, man. This is man. fair. I'm this just is fucking, entirely fair. Just, just fucking saying. Alright, so anyway, we're here, of course, today to talk about episode 7, or possibly episode 1, depending on you know, what way you think of this uh, particular entry in Vinland Saga's chronology, uh, Normandy. Uh, but before we get to that, though, we do want to hopefully check on the polls. I think we had some from last time, not least of which we need to answer the question of what Mario Pauk is most suited to be on. Indeed. So uh, our polls from before, it's funny, I just had them up on screen and then for some reason I clicked off of them. So I'm going to take just a second to scroll down to them. It shouldn't take me that long. I hope the, the scrolling wheel is not too distracting. All right, here's polls for episodes four through six of Vinland. Poll number one, which Mario suit is best for Bjorn? Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, 42% of you out there went with the obvious pick, I think, uh, Tanuki. You know, you just you, you did the thing that came into your head first, and you didn't really take time to think about the choices. 29% of you said frog suit, and bless you. Like, you are my people. You, Well, 29%. to be fair, frogs are known for, you know, sitting on and living with toadstools and mushrooms. Yes! And that is Bjorn's thing. Yes! So. It's like thematic consistency. Uh, I'm just saying. Four, just saying. Four Although, per, oh. Jesus Christ, can you imagine Bjorn, like, set loose in the mushroom kingdom? It'd be a murder spree! <laughs> Toad gets eaten a fucking life. <laughs> Just Goomba parts like strewn about the world, broken Koopa shells and Koopa wings. Like I'm sorry, Beyond, but our, but our princess is in another castle. Wait, Beyond, what are you doing? Beyond, no, no! <laughs> Look what they've done to Bowser! Run, Toad! Why do you not have any arms or legs? <laughs> it will be the apocalypse. Uh, it would be worse oh. than when Smithy came down from on high. Do you remember Smithy? <laughs> Remind me. Refresh oh, my memory. Super Mario RPG. Did you ever... Did you, did you... I never played oh, it. Oh, it was such a good I was game. a Sega kid, man. I was a Sega kid. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So, yeah, that game's worth going back to replay because I think the comedy holds up really well and it's a really solid turn-based foundation. But... The villain is just a giant sword that descends from the heavens and plunges itself into Bowser's castle. And he kind of takes over the villain role, and so Bowser's deposed, and he ends up joining you because he wants to get his castle back. It's a great game. There's a nice Power Rangers <laughs> parody in it. Um, well, isn't Power Rangers itself technically a parody? But well, that's well, like a question of a time. I guess perhaps. a nice Super Sentai parody, or whatever you would. But anyway... <laughs> uh, so the only other poll is would Asclad have allowed Thorfinn to kill him in his sleep? Uh, Seventy-three percent say nay. Um, so that one was pretty pretty lopsided, and I think I would agree with our 
with our voters on that score. Mm-hmm. Indeed, absolutely. So uh, thank you everyone for taking part in the polls as always. We will be having more coming up as the show progresses, so feel free to check them out. Doc will be posting in chat for you to get involved in. Uh, but for now, let's actually talk about episode one or seven, depending on how you look at it, of uh, Vinland Saga. And you might be thinking to yourself, what the fuck am I talking about? Have I gone back in time? Have I completely lost all of my marbles? And the answer is, no, I still have just the one left. But anyway. <clears throat> so, we were made aware, thanks to one of our wonderful patrons, Blinkaji, about how this episode fits into the chronology of the show versus how it fits into the chronology of the manga. In the manga, the events of this episode were the very first issue or volume. Not like the seventh or the equivalent of the seventh in the manga's chronology. So you can, in theory, if you wanted to, like, if you've never watched Finland's side before, watch this episode first and flash, and then, like, cut immediately back to episode one and watch from there. Now, there have been other changes in the manga, such as the uh, scene including Helga and Ilva that we've mentioned previously, that was inserted much earlier in the show's chronology versus the manga's. Now, I'm bringing this up for a very specific reason, because it will be very important for a big talking point I have later about this particular change, and ways in which I actually think it's a bad change for Vinland Saga, and also ways in which I think it's a good change. It's not a simple black and white plus or minus here. But I want to make that clear as I relay the events going on here. That's something you want to keep in mind. So, without further ado. Without further ado. So... Opening of the episode, you know, the Vikings and the Danes are, you know, they're going on summer vacation. They're having a breather from all the pillaging and plundering. They're just taking a break. Uh, this is where we are reintroduced to Floki advising presumably the king of Denmark. Uh, of Floki, you know, whispering in the ear of a king here. No surprises there. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, you which, know, I didn't even think of that. That's a good shout. Yeah, but uh, speaking of the king, like the king's like, you know, let's give her on a break and then I will come along to lead an army. No. And my immediate reaction to that was, <laughs> oh, fuck you, Robert Baratheon. I'm glad you're still getting work after Game of Thrones, you sentient lump of lard. But you ain't fucking moving from that. No. The only thing that was missing from the end of that scene was as he made his final statement was just for a flushing noise. It happens to be the toilet he sat on. Yeah, yeah. Which that should have sure. happened. Floki's just yeah. sitting there thinking, like, you could put a thought bubble right there, like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. It's only a matter of time until I kill you. Not... Yeah, exactly. I mean, what, they're going to bring him out the breastplate stretcher next. But anyway, anyway, so yes, the Danes and the Vikings are going to be recalled for a break. They're going to have, you know, an off-season. And how does this affect Askeladd and his men, you might think to yourself, because now they're being called back because of the winter. Uh, Askeladd notes after talking with Bjorn who for some reason is eating fish rather than mushrooms presumably he's got a run of upset stomach I'm guessing because <laughs> that's his like you know that's his staple food mushrooms isn't it <laughs> yeah. um, just you gotta bring but, um, the variety you know you can't appreciate the sweet without the bitter Shadon it's, it's very true it's very true but um, Asclad, like takes inspiration from some seagulls who are flying overhead and says, we'll go where the birds go to where there's food. In other words, we'll travel elsewhere and pillage and plunder them instead. There's no off day for us. What the fuck do you think this is? You know, like, we don't, you know, we don't give paid leave for pirates. Come on. So, meanwhile, we cut over to a chivalry let's play in progress with Red Team and Blue Team <laughs> attacking each other. And it's not really going very well for the attacking Red Team, I'll say that much, because... Yes, they do have a ram and all that, but the blue team, you know, brought in crossbows and they're t fighting them off. Uh, this, for context, by the way, is in France, uh, among the Law, or sorry, along the Law River, uh, whatever that is at the time. I'm probably butchering that. I can't even pronounce modern French properly, so I apologize profusely for that. But yeah, things are not going exactly very well for the attackers here. 
Uh, and so this is where Askeladd strikes inspiration because he sees this fall and thinks to himself, oh, there's got to be a lot of treasure there, surely, a lot of plunder, this will be great. So if we ingratiate ourselves amongst the attackers and help them actually win the battle, we'll get some loot from them. And when I mean get some loot from them, as in rob them blind and just walk away and leaving them with all that, you know, with nothing. So yeah. Um, now, I want to just actually very quickly talk about very specific elements of this scene before we cut to the part where it goes to, like, the OP. Um, which is that this is the point where Asglad says, okay, Thorfinn, go and meet the, you know, the camp and go and see talks to them and tell them what our intentions are. That we will help you fight in exchange for gold, etc, uh, etc. Et and then send the message back. And Thorfinn says, what, you know, you promised. When is this going to happen? And Asgard's like, <laughs> oh, you, you little, you little scamp, you. I'm surprised Pan is on the head. And he said, all right, I'll do it uh, if you bring back the head of the of a helmed captain. Now, I want to make something very clear, and just again, something to put in the back of your mind for the talking point I'm going to make later. And no point during this scene is it specified what Thorfinn actually wants from Askeladd. We know, because yeah. we've seen it happen in the previous episodes. Right. Just put that in the back of your mind, especially in the context of how this works, assuming you're reading this in manga form, or mm -hmm. if you decide to start, this is the very first episode. Just, just Keep that up here in your grey man. Uh, this, by the way, is also the point where Thorfinn is now full teenage Thorfinn, like he's reached his final form, his final evolution. <laughs> uh, so he's good to go. So, indeed, you know, Thorfinn sets off, and I didn't come up with this joke first, even though I was thinking of it, but it got said out loud in our Discord chat, so I'm going to have to get in comment on a, or have a, cr a credit Blinkaji for this one. Uh, this is the point where uh, Thorfinn decides to completely destroy the tone of the scene by Naruto running his way down there. It's funny that it has been branded the Naruto run because, uh, well, I think I said in Discord, I don't know if anyone replied or not, but I I've seen, like, kids in anime doing that run for a while. Like, I remember that was how Gohan would run in Dragon Ball. So mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't necessarily, I mean, it, perhaps it was just popularized by Naruto. Everyone has their formative works, so I understand what you mean. But maybe this is a, maybe this is not an intentional, like, this is, he's doing it for tactics. You know, maybe it's just like, here's how kids run. Here's how, here's how we depict kids running, even though Thorfinn is um, a very old sort of kid, right? He's he's not an adult, <laughs> so we'll still do no, the, that's uh, true. the ninja run or whatever. He, he, can't even he can't even legally drink yet. God damn it. You know, I, all he gets <laughs> is the fucking juniper berries. Well, yeah, it's Boy. all the worst parts of Viking life and none of the benefits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, by the way, I did kind of get the event slightly wrong there in that the actual discussion that Farfin has with Asgard takes place after the OP, but anyway, that still otherwise happens. Like, I want this thing, and he's like, get me the fucking, you know, a helm soldier, like, you know, the, or the head of a helm soldier, mm -hmm. like, you know, someone important. Uh, so indeed, Farfin makes his way to the camp of the attacking red team, uh, and after waylaying one of the guards who's like, who the fuck are you, kid, piss off, uh, he is introduced to the general of the camp, uh, who has freshly got off working from Spirited Away because he looks like one of the people eating at the bar there. I, I, that was my that was yeah. my first impression. Yeah, I does. was like, what the fuck is this guy? Uh, his name we will learn later, and I'm revealing it now, is Jabafe, or Jabba mm -hmm. the. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, no surprises, <laughs> you know, how of how effective or, you know, how effectual he'll turn out to be in the long run, just 
kind of sitting there barking orders, looking grotesque. That dude was the worst. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll talk. We could talk about him after the summary, but holy shit, uh, he was the worst. And I'm glad. So, so he was a general because sometimes they would refer to him as your highness. And so mm-hmm. I was like, is he like a French prince? Uh, but then the one guy at the end said, I have a message for General jo- Jabba the Hutt. And so, <laughs> and so, yeah. Do, wait, so, does, okay. that, does, that, does, does that mean that Forfin is basically C-3PO? Uh, I have a message for Yeah, Je- <laughs> yeah. Basically, they did, they did a Return of the Jedi here. <laughs> Can you imagine C-3PO running around and cutting people up with knives? <laughs> that would be incredible. That would be incredible. Just to see him, oh my gosh! To I'm see trying, him wield I'm trying a to, weapon. I'm, I'm just trying to imagine Anthony Daniels now saying in his C-3PO <laughs> voice, "I'm a cutchy motherfucker," and it just doesn't quite come to me. I can't quite process it. I know. Uh, anyway, anyway, so yes, they're having a discussion over um, dinner uh, as to what's going on, what the situation is. So the fort is very well protected from the front, but it straddles a river, and there's no protection on, like, the riverbank uh, there, so it's completely exposed from the rear. But the red team, uh, the red French people, don't actually have any method of attacking from the river, because there's no way to get to it. Uh, it's too deep, it's too, like, you know, high up upstream, downstream goes to the sea, so you, you fuck me. You can't get up there, it's not gonna happen, really. So, that's made clear, and Forfin says, look, Either you, you know, either we help you and you give us, you know, the, the, the rewards we asked for, or we'll go and help them instead. And if you kill me, we'll go and help them instead anyway. And so, uh, Jamma Face says, ho, 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 And then he drops her forth into his uh, expertly concealed rancor pit. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> so, um, Thorfinn is allowed to leave and send out a, a signal through of shooting some flaming arrows into the air. Uh, and the plan is basically they're going to attack tomorrow. Oh, well and good, you know. Mm-hmm. Thorfinn's to remain with the mercenary camp for the... Oh, sorry, with the red team for the meantime. And we have a seed of some of the troops on the river, uh, the blue team. Uh, you know, they're like, oh, whatever, I'm going to ship who gives a <laughs> shiver. And then, holy shit, there's a dragon next to the moon. Oh my god! Because... It is it is Viking era times, you know. It's no surprise that they're all a bit superstitious, a bit cowardly. Uh, but that's also the hint of what's to come, believe it or not. Uh, so, following morning, you know, battle kicks off. Um, general guy's like, you know, I don't believe this guy, so we'll kill the kid later. All that it's going to be great, and he's <laughs> it's going to be great. He's on, he, yeah, <laughs> he he's, he's generally he's just generally being about as you know, useful and as effective as a doorstop made out of lint. So, fuck that guy. Uh, so, they attack again, and you know, it goes about as well as you'd expect. Honestly, it, like, you know, the Englishman in Monty Python attacking the French castle, <laughs> they had more chance of winning, to be quite honest. And I really actually now wish there was a cut scene from this of, like, you know, Thorfinn just watching a cow fly over his head. Fetchy lavash. Fetchy lavash. <laughs> I'm having a hard time catching my breath because it really is that. I don't know why I didn't think of it. Like I saw you guys talking about Monty Python in the Discord, and I was like, "What? Why? I don't. Why are they bringing that up? Huh?" It's, and for my dumb brain didn't make the connection. It is really like them storming that fucking fort. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I would have loved it, like, if we had Berserk-esque outtakes here, where, you know, when he's yelling at... The, when the, like, captain is yelling at the Red Troops, he just goes, Your mother was a hamster, and your father smelt of elderberries! Of course. You have to. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, the, um... The soldiers aren't, you know, exactly the smartest, <sighs> although they are being led by, you know, Jabba Fey or Jabba the Hutt or whatever, uh, who itself, you know, I don't think he's just basically all head. He's a walking and... titan from Attack on Titan, basically. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> just with the dignity of being clothed, which is yeah. the only dignity he actually has. Uh, but yeah, uh, we also get into mission of like, uh, you know, Askeladd saying like, put your backs into him, but we don't know what's going on because it's framed so that we only really see him up close to him. We have a hint that something is happening, but not really what. Uh, and this is the point where Thorfinn spots the captain with the, you know, feathered helm on the top of the uh, ramparts. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hmm, well, there's my quest objective. Best go cash that in. So this is the point where he makes for the, you know, front line. And uh soldiers are ordered to shoot him. But, well, you've seen how effectual they've been in general up until this point, And they can't hit him for shit. To quote Dodgeball on the issue, you know, you couldn't hit water if you fell out of a boat. But then again, that's not really saying much for the blue team either, who in turn will see Thorfinn come up in a minute, and they're like, do you want to shoot the kid? No? No? <laughs> ah, whatever. It is uh, sort of, but y- it's, it's one of those moments that I bet feels better in the manga, because you're looking at panel to panel, and you can kind of sort of mm-hmm. pace out the time in your head differently than the time mm-hmm. it takes to show everything on screen. So like, this is taking forever. Just shoot the fucking crossbow. But they don't. So, yeah. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so, of course, Jabba Faye's like, you know, <clears throat> kill the kid, you're all shit, you're all useless. And then there's a noise coming from the forest behind him and he's like... The scene rules. What? And he's just like, uh? So, it, what I think possibly counts is the only time in my memory that I've ever seen a boat go off-road... Uh, mm-hmm. We see the Viking warboats that Asgard has being carried over land by his men, with him riding on top, laughing his head off. And, of course, my headcanon has, you know, I'm on a boat, playing in it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> because how could it not? Right. Uh, so the idea being that they're carrying the boats across the land, you know, from the river that they came in on to the other side of the river, or the other river, the other tributary, where the fort is. And they make it over there. And Jabathay has the good sense, you know, not to actually say, go kill all of them. Oh, they're our friendlies. Uh, Thorfinn, by the way, decides that he's going to put his entry in, you know, the Olympic long jump here by deciding to make for the, you know, the rampart wall and catching on to it with his daggers. Uh, earning, a believe, a average 9.6 from the European, you know, scoring team there. Like, That's what I wish had happened anyway. I wish there'd just been people on the ramparts holding up numbers. It was, job, it was. It was quite. Pr- it was okay. It's only okay. It was a. It was okay. Fucking hell. <laughs> a little pitchy. No, no. This uh, that that scene. This is my favorite scene in the whole episode. This scene fucking ruled. I. I it's one of those like uh, moments in anime that I love. I love measuring the what the fuck quotient of a show. <laughs> when you just stand up and go like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like you like. It's mm. just I, because I just didn't expect it. In hindsight, I probably could have, because like there are some of those shots when you see them running, and you look behind their helmets, you can see the ship. But my brain just didn't process what it was or whatever. And when they emerge, and Ascalon is just laughing, <laughs> just this fucking like 
shitty, like, laugh, you know, like, we're gonna fuck you up, like, and the boats are just like, they're, f- the those Viking guys are flying across the plane, just like, oh my god, can you, this Can rules. you imagine what it'd been like, can you imagine what it'd been like if this was Monty Python-esque and they were just heading in the completely wrong direction? Don't like, ruin wait, it! where are we going? Don't Where are we going? It. Oh, yep, there, there Doc's I go. Disco is, yep. Doc's disco is turning on there. Yep. Mo- motion um, sensitive light. The sensor is far away. Uh, illuminate? I, I may go, De-illuminate. I may go in just a moment here while you're talking and try to, try to fix this. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, Thorfinn does indeed manage to climb the wooden ramparts using his daggers, and he then begins to cut his way through um, all of these soldiers on top going for the captain. Uh, this is simultaneously while um, Askeladd and his men are circling around the back of the fort, and this is a point where the crossbowmen on the rampart actually starts firing at them, taking a couple of them out. Um, but that then is, of course, interrupted by Thorfinn, like, you know, going full on, like, murder spree on all of them, cutting his way through them like a hot knife through butter. And he does eventually get the captain and decapitates his head off, you know, cuts it off. Uh, which then falls in the water and he's like, <gasps> No! No, the head! <laughs> no, I need that to turn into the quest giver, come on! I want to get my experience. So he goes in after it. Uh, at this point, Askeladd's men manage to make it to land and, well, the battle's pretty much decided here. They start making their way through the village and the fort, killing and plundering as they go. Uh, the red team, the French soldiers, actually managed to make it through the front gate using the ram that they had previously been served from using. And it's all around. All the blue team are dead. Uh, you know, GG, no re, great times. Uh, after all that, Jabba Face, you know, is surveying the carnage. And he's like, okay, we'll kill all the pirates now because we're not giving them shit. Unfortunately, however, uh, Jabba Fey, you know, he isn't as smart as his, you know, uh, Star Wars contemporary, not even remotely, uh, <laughs> because he gets completely fleeced by Askeladd, who is many, many steps ahead of him, has completely plundered the entire town, the treasure vault, the churches, he's even stolen some kid's little piggy bank, you name it, it belongs to him now. And boy oh boy does he show off his spoils of war, just... Casually sauntering along, you know, on his on his boat, like up, <laughs> bitches. We took I'm Askeladd, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> it it's incredible. It's ostentatiousness. Like it's yeah. just whole, what what the fuck he said. He even when he even smiles, his little ding, like a glint. That's great. I, I'm, what I'm, an I'm, honestly, the only thing. <laughs> The only thing that could have made that better is if a Mentos, the fresh maker thing, came in at the bottom. <laughs> yep, that would have been truly great. Um, so yeah, wow. Askeladd has indeed pillaged the whole thing. Jamafe has been left with practically next to nothing, uh, and Askeladd just sails off, like flipping him off, basically yeah. verbally. They as even he goes. broke the boats so they couldn't chase. <laughs> nope they they covered they covered everything. Yeah. How did they do it all they, so they quickly? Could... <laughs> Vikings, they, they they're even... fast. I, well, the thing is, Jarafe looks like he has the walking speed of a snail, so it probably took him that long to actually get there. Fair. Fair. He put, and several breaks along the way as well. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Just what, one, two... <gasps> one, two... <gasps> Eye patch. So <laughs> give me, from, no, give exa- me some no, exa- water. <laughs> not exactly got the best cardio. No. Um, but anyway... Uh, Askeladd's like, you know, celebrating. Everyone's like, hey, where's Thorfinn? He's like, oh, who gives a shit? He's probably dead. 
Well, this is the point where Farfin gets on the boat. That's an important part head. that I will talk about later. This whole this exchange. Mm. All right, continue. Yes. Yeah. Um. So, bear in mind what I told you before. First, technically, first episode of the show is run chronologically. If you want to write that way, first part of the manga. So, if you were viewing this material in the manga the first time, this is our first introduction to Farfin Asgard's relationship. So, as you've rightly pointed out, that's important. But what we will then learn is that Farfin says, I, son of Thor's, challenge you to a duel on my father's blade. And, to Askeladd's credit, if you want to give him that, he responds in kind with the necessary formalities and says he'll do it. Just not right now, because they're being shot at. Farfin <laughs> uh, is naturally indignant against that, but I suppose that, you know, Askeladd does have a point. I'll begrudgingly give him that, that... All well and good trying to duel, but if he just then gets pops in the head, you know, by a crossbow man, then, well, it's all for naught, isn't it? Yeah. So, so then they decide to engage in what I think is a prototype of a Disney water ride as they go downstream. <laughs> it has to be. Yeah. It's the Splash yeah. Mountain. Uh, yeah. The first Splash Mountain. Vikings invented it, apparently. They're, they should be given their, their due credit for pioneering this ride that we've all enjoyed. Indeed. Uh, so they make out to see Thorfinn's very like, get you Askeladd, you shit. <laughs> uh, and then that's the episode, pretty much. We then see them making out to sea with their plunder and pillage. He makes the, th- th- Thorfinn go. makes the uh, the classic sound with his teeth that you often get in anime. The exaggerated, like, I can't even, I can't do it, but yeah. But there you go. <laughs> there you go. That's good. Oh, well, uh, before we get to talk so, to talking points, though, uh, I didn't have a chance, uh, slash I forgot when we were starting, to to talk about the creative folks oh, behind yes, the episode. Please do. Because we do. didn't do it on 4, 5, and 6 because it would have just taken probably too long to highlight everybody that we wanted to. But I did want to... We're back to normal. Yeah, hey, we're just, that's right. This is the run-of-the-mill episode, just a little out of order. Uh, so, uh, Nurmani, episode 7, uh, was, you know, directed by Shingo Uchida. And Shingo Uchida is someone who has done a fair bit of episode directing in his mm-hmm. day. Um, I'm looking through... The CV to see if anything catches my eye because I didn't look through. Ah, well, this individual was the director of the Egg of the King, the first of those um, those more CG rific berserk movies about the Golden Age that weren't like really really actively uh, bad. They were not bad. The yeah, the intermediary step in the decline of berserk as an anime form from the yeah. literal golden age of the 1997 to the more recent you know stop motion 10 frames per second you know made in unity assets piece of shit that we got that thanks for that, that that'd be the one um but he directed that movie and was the unit director of the third movie the advent uh he also was an episode director for a single episode of full metal alchemist brotherhood episode 39 can't remember which episode that is because it's been a minute. Um, and it's done some other little things here and there. Um, I really like the Don Machi franchise, and he was a unit director for one of those movies. I guess it was a compilation movie called The Arrow of Orion. Mm-hmm. And did some storyboarding for uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. 
the first hmm. the first season the the phantom blood and battle Ph- phantom blood yes plus battle ah, Ten- right. yeah i think it was battle tendency he actually worked on uh episode 18 uh did the storyboarding and episode directing for episode 18 and episode 6 so some phantom blood too so um yeah uh been been around the block uh nothing nothing else like jumps out at me oh after the rain i think people like uh, but unfortunately he's also done ace attorney which um i've heard was real bad uh not the whole thing just a couple of episodes directing Mm. and storyboarding um so so he's the director interesting fact shadon this episode and the previous episode episode six Oh no, episode five also. So Uh-oh. the last uh, three episodes um, have been written by two people. They're two two credited head writers. So before episodes one through four, it was our buddy Hiroshi Seko. Mm-hmm. Hiroshi Seko is still one of the head writers, but apparently is is teaming with uh, Kento Ihara to do uh, the writing here. And Kento Uhara has written some stuff. Um, it's not a lot. Kento CV is is pretty small, um, but there is good stuff on here. Um, hmm. The screenplay, uh, the credit is screenplay cooperation. If you have any idea what that means. You know, please tweet I, it. I do. <laughs> because I don't. I, I do. Oh. So you've got... Okay, so here's the thing, right? You literally have one guy, like, you've got a keyboard, single keyboard, mm-hmm. two guys. One guy leans over one guy's shoulders to do the right hand, the other guy leans over the guy's shoulders to do the left hand, and they just kind of go like that. Okay, perfect. So... <laughs> it's, it's, it's the most extreme meth to script rhyme possible, yeah. but by God, does it work. And that's what he's done. That's what uh, Kenta Ihara has done. I called him Kento a moment ago, pardon me. Um, for death, are you shipping them? Yep, mm-hmm. that's it. <laughs> that's what's happening. Uh, so screenplay cooperation for Death Parade, uh, storyboard supervisor for FLCL Fudikuri Alternative, which I have not seen that the new thing. But the the thing that really jumps out at me, um, apart from Vinland and a little bit of terror and resonance credit, is this person was the head writer. And wrote all the scripts for Saga of Tanya the Evil. Ooh. Um, and I really like that show. There's people that don't like that show, and I think people that are a little bit reductive about it. Um, to be fair, a lot of times with anime, you can judge a book by its cover, but this is one the one out of one hundred times that it's actually more than what it says on the tin. And wow, really? I thought that was a Rugrats meets Mind Camp, but I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> no, no, there's uh, there's a lot more to it actually. Um, I really enjoyed that. And I haven't seen the movie, but he also wrote the script for the movie. So, and he's written uh, with Seko uh, the last three episodes of Vinland Saga. So Kente Ihara uh, got chops. Yeah, good, good for him. Yeah. Uh, just to answer a question in chat from Amy Chibi. Uh, we've. I personally have not read the manga yet. Uh, it's going to be something that'll happen at some point in the future, but I don't even know if it'll necessarily happen before we finished uh, the entirety of Finland Saga's run. Time is uh, not my ally, I'm afraid. 
Uh, although that being said, we do have Blinkaji in chat who is uh, incredibly familiar with the manga who can offer his thoughts and indeed corrects us if we happen to say things that are not true yep. or are, uh, you know, which knowing my tendency to chow my ass is probably most of the time, but hey, there we go. All right, so let's get to talking points and I might as well start with the big one. Let's start with the big one that I mentioned before and this is why I was very insistent on mentioning the certain language that was used and the way that this episode flows and is set up. I am in two minds of this episode because on the one hand, I think it actually might be actively bad for Vinland Saga. Hmm. Um, on the other, I think it might actually be good. And I'm not quite sure. Maybe it could be both. I mean, shows can be problematic while still being good. Here's the thing, right? Let's think about the events of this episode and indeed how I've just described them to everyone. I've probably done, I'd say, a reasonably good job of making it sound like Askeladd is the most awesome big swinging dick in all of Viking world. <laughs> is that not true? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But think of it, right? What have we seen happening before these ep this episode? We've seen Askeladd doing a load of awful shit, not least of which is actually killing Thorfinn's father, pillaging, plundering, raping, something that I neglected and indeed fucks up on mentioning by saying previously, oh, he's not a rapist. Like, whoops. Nice one. Oh, yeah. Why not just next time say the water isn't wet? Uh, it, yeah, I mean, we, we goofed. It happens, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, well, he's, think, a, dis but that might he's play a despicable that. shithead. <laughs> yeah, but that might play into that a little bit. But, I mean, think of, like, Jabba Fett, yeah? He's clearly designed and presented as someone where to just, like, <laughs> uh, he's going to get one over on him. It's going to be great. Look at this toady little fuck. Yeah. So, as presented in this episode, Askeladd is made out to be pretty awesome. But that's contrary to what we've seen previously, which is that he's been a complete shit biscuit. So it doesn't quite gel together, and that's because, if you think about it, moving this episode or this this particular plot point or plot thread to the beginning of the story makes more sense. Because we see Askeladd then presented, if you divorce yourself from your memory of it, as awesome, and then like we are left with the question of, okay, what's his relationship with Thorfinn? Why does Thorfinn want to duel him? What's happened between them previously? And then, our, you know, if you had that opening image of Askeladd, like, you know, being the big gold bling-wearing dickhead that he is, you, like, think to yourself, oh, God, he's actually done some pretty heinous shit. And so your image of him declines over time. Whereas what we have now is, is, is our image of him increasing. But it hmm. just... But it seems to me like, you know, that might be contrary to the point of Inland Saga, like, that, it, you know... It doesn't quite gel with how he's been presented previously. And I'm not saying that, of course, that always has to happen. But but the point is, like, you know, we know him to be an awful shithead. So why are we now being told, or rather, why is the anime framing him in a way that's making us want to try and get behind him? And obviously, you know, given the adaptational choice there, it makes more sense if you think of it from an authorial intent that it went first and had him start high and then be brought down low in the opinion of the audience, as opposed to being the other way. However, however, I did say that I was in two minds of this, and I'll explain why. Okay. Because if you think about it, Thorfinn at this point has now been working with Askeladd for several years. Doing all of his dirty shit, even saved his life at least once. We know that categorically to be true. And I wonder if this also is just, you know, a way of the show and the author and, and the sorry the writers adapting the material to try and lure us as the audience into the same false sense of security that Thorfinn has, that kind of familiarity with him. Yeah. With Askeladd, that is. Mm -hmm. You know, that we're now comfortable. We're now like, hey, check out Askeladd. He's getting one over on this little prick. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Oh, yeah, by the way, he killed Thorfinn's father and has, you know, been 
helping people rape and pillage half of England. But look at that crown he's wearing. Isn't that fantastic? Looks real good, you know. That'll sell well on Antique's Roadshow. But yeah, that's why I'm in two minds of it, because it can work if you're interpreting that way, but it's clear, like, from the way this little plot thread of the Fort Siege has been constructed, that it also very definitely was intended as an opening, you know, intro. Yeah, so I guess how I feel about it is um, I, under I understand um, what you mean by the fact that, like, uh, that really linear arc of kind of how we feel about him, um, that, that mm -hmm. makes sense, and I understand why the author did it that way. I think thematically, though, it, sequencing the episodes this way can work in terms of, like, how do I put this? So, yeah, we see Askeladd is, is a total piece of, of shit, like, uh, which, as uh, Amy Chibi uh, points out, uh, is not... A unique thing for people of the time most most of the warriors probably were super mm. shitty um mm. although he does display uh a level of guile and trickery that allow him to be even more shitty than probably your average killer yeah. i mean if you recall what i said in the talking point i made in episode one about the idea of historical authenticity mm -hmm. you in theory could drop uh Askeladd saying go and take all the women Without major consequence, because he's still a shithead on a personal level to forfeit and still does shitty things. Mm -hmm. But uh, the, the fact but then that, you wouldn't oh. ha you wouldn't have that overhanging element there. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that you you come to see someone even shitty, shittier than Askeladd and find yourself somehow rooting for that smug piece of garbage to get one over on him can be seen as like. Everyone loves an anti-hero. Almost. Well, no, I, I don't even want to say that, but like it can be because I think Thorfinn occupies that space. But, but mm, I just think like mm. a war, like the battlefield, like everyone is shitty, no matter who we're rooting for. And even Thorfinn has done some awful, awful things here at this point, and we're still rooting for him because we've seen him as a kid. And I think that even um, we were shown some little glimpses in the last couple episodes of. Um, Askeladd as a more nuanced character than he might at first appear. He's not just like a coward. He's not just a schemer. Um, and we'll talk about, I think, later, like how he thinks of Thorfinn. But um, mm. so I think if you you can you can track how you're feeling about him, even still, like in a almost a linear fashion, because I do think not in terms of going from hate to love or anything like that, but just like maybe you start rooting for a shitty character you know is shitty because you want to see more of him because the show slowly kind of peels back the onion a little bit and you've been treat but treated But did Griffith do nothing wrong? <laughs> no. <laughs> he did He did everything <laughs> you wrong. Were leading on to, he did you everything were leading wrong. on to that. You were... I'm sorry, but you bade my trap card. Then it had to happen. Well, I don't think. I well, you don't have to root for. Griffith I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. I'm joking. But you. But I do. I do want to see more of, of Griffith, and I want to see him get his fucking comeuppance. Just like I want to see more of Ascalad, but I want to see him get his fucking comeuppance. Hmm. You know, it's, it feels like a. And this is not me criticizing you, but I feel like it feels like a weird dichotomy. Then where you want to see more of him, but you still want to see him get shit on. It's it's weird. Mm -hmm. Like it, there seems like a kind of almost contradiction. 
Um, yeah. Well, I mean, think of like villains, good villains in stories, right? I mean, you like them being there. You want them there. You want them to have their their screen time. You want them to get the adequate kind of development so you can put investment mm-hmm. in there. And there, and it, you know, it's just not the same if, uh, you know, your kid, if if the, your hero is vanquishing like a cartoon character. And I actually think this is going to be more interesting when and if Thorfinn does get to kill him because it's not just him getting his revenge and we all get to celebrate. It's like a murder of a guy who's a real human who had, you know, these, um, who, who was shitty a lot of the time, but also like had some complexities and feelings about things. Um, it makes it feel more, it gives it more, more weight again than just him like doing it. And that, that being the mm-hmm. end of it. Yeah, I mean, in Thorfinn as well, like, you know, there's a, there's that classic phrase, the hunter is nothing without the hunt. So what happens to him after he does kill Asgard? Mm-hmm. Do you, Can, do you agree yeah. with Felix that this is a distraction from how bad he is? Because I think, I personally don't feel that way. I think that you can, again, I, th- I think the earlier episodes in the show did a good job of saying, or, or of hinting at the the subtleties of the character, the, the depth. So I think... I want to say, for me, the show is doing a good job of of marrying all these things together, of, of forming a more complete picture of a guy who mm. is like has done some bad things, um, killed people, uh, just some some heinous things to innocent people, to women. Um, but it's a guy who like his men love him. Uh, he he wins. He takes care of him, um, and he like has a really weird relationship at this point with Thorfinn, I think. <laughs> so so yeah, I yeah. don't think it's necessarily trying to distract you. I do think it could it's easy to like I understand what I'm saying you feel in that way. I don't think you're off base necessarily. Like because like Shadon was saying, the story wasn't originally laid out this way. <laughs> so. Yeah. And to answer to answer Felix's point there and what you asked me then, like I think you can read it as being distracting, but I think that it's important to understand if you do read it that way, I think that it's a consequence of the resequencing of the story from the manga rather than necessarily deliberate intent to make that happen. Which you could argue is a bad thing still because it means that the writers may have not put too in or enough thought into it. I think this is very much going to be a your mileage is going to vary mm-hmm. thing and I'm even then not sure how to feel ultimately about it. Um... But yeah, I do think that you have to be careful. I think it's just a case of you know showing you have to be careful when doing adaptations and resequencing events and moving things around. Because even without materially changing what happens, simply shifting things around temporally can have significant impacts on how the audience perceives it and what we interpret from it. So if nothing else is a good object lesson just to be careful, you know. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, okay. Can can we now talk about uh, that line that you you specifically talked about at the very end of the show when Bjorn says, "Oi, Dorfin's not back yet," and then Askeladd is like, oh, "He's probably dead." That fucker. 
Uh, the fuck was that? <laughs> it was my ask. It was my Ascalad. It's pretty okay, I think. I, <laughs> why? Why you so sound more and more like a Looney Tunes character? I, don't know. I, I for oh yeah, I I need to. I didn't do the the check in with the Viking, the Viking accent. I don't know if oh, I can. Okay, I don't know on. if I can take, do it though because it's not the beginning. Take, take seven. Whatever's good for you. Are Doc. you sure? I mean, we can wait till next week to begin it to to keep it at the beginning of the, the episodes. You've got to give it a try, man. All right. We can't go an episode without actually having you try the Viking accent. All right. So if you keep if you keep if you keeping score at home, folks, this will now be the fifth attempt, given we've had four episodes prior to this one of of this show. Uh, please post in the comments of you know, YouTube and Twitch and wherever if you think that Doc nails it this time. I mean, we've had every language and every accent so far, apart from Viking. But you know, I rec- I'm feeling confident today. All right. Take it away, Maestro. Take it away. Here we go, is this a viking? I am sailing on the ships on the high seas. You know? This... Yes? It is Ascalad and... Uh, I mean, this is probably a pretty problematic accent, I think. But uh, this is, you know, how they talked according to my research. Mead and horns and killing. They're the things I like to do as a Viking. Okay, I have to stop. <laughs> Look at your face. <laughs> you just allowed me to keep doing it. I wanted you to shut it down immediately. <laughs> oh, so bad. So terrible. This is the entirely stereotypical accent, which is a stereotype. Which is not a real accent <laughs> of right, anyone. So uh, let's 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 move on to our next talking point, folks. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. 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 <laughs> Just people saying no in the chat. <laughs> oh. Okay. All right. Mm. Okay. <sighs> that was dumb. We're dumb. Welcome to Watery Uh <laughs> All right. So the lie that you talked about uh, toward the end of the episode right uh, <laughs> just, your face is <laughs> sorry I, I'm I can't I'm wasting I can't like I can't look at you I have to look away from you and 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 do the talking so there's a line that you talked about at the end of the episode when, you know, Askeladd says, uh, yeah, whenever, oh, I hit my mic. They're saying, you know, Thorfinn's not back. And then Askeladd says, well, he's probably dead. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's just leave without him. Um, and the fact that tie that to the beginning in the battle when... You know, Askeladd's making a big performance and saying, oh, I'm so scared of you. Like, I'll give you three gold coins if you succeed. And, uh... Knowing Askeladd, they were probably chocolate coins as right. well. Right. So... Just to dick him over. I'll tell you what I think is is happening. Um, especially because 
the whole I think he's trying too hard I think that part especially when he says oh who cares he's probably dead we don't need a kid anyway holding us up I mean I think it's pretty obvious to everyone that he plays a really critical role in their operations if you consider this a pretty kind of stock standard mission you know attack plan or whatever that they have I think you're right. I think he's like performing in public so that to like to downplay, I think, to the rest of his men how vital Thorfinn is to Askeladd in planning these missions. I don't think he wants that dependence to be a public yeah. thing. Well, um well Askeladd has certainly been fond of public performance before, not least of which with uh Floki. You remember mm-hmm. that? Where he's just there, like, you know, legs propped up on the desk, like, you know, I'm I'm Askeladd, bitch, please. Uh, and also with the, uh, with Jabba Faye, or Jabba the Hutt. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't understand French, je ne comprends pas, je ne comprends pas. That was great. Oui, 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 mon ami, oui, oui. So, yeah, uh, he's certainly a fan of public performance, he likes trying to show people, indeed he did that with fours, as it happens yep. as well. Like, you know. Oh, I was just kidding. I'm not having your leaders. Oh, you. I had you for a second, didn't I? I had you thinking. Yep. I had you thinking. Yep. It was, I was legitimate. Oh, you silly sod, you. So I can certainly believe that he is a, a fan of public performance. Um, I mean, just, you know, not not just in the expected ways does Thorfinn help them, not just with the original negotiation sort of Trojan horse deal. But also, I mean, Askeladd would never have been able to cross the, the, the water without Thorfinn occupying the crossbowmen as um, Big Bang's Hurt. I can never remember. I, I wanted to say Big and Hurt, but that's not what it is. As Big Bang's Hurt points out. Um, and isn't that funny? When Thorfinn is trying to do this thing so he can kill Askeladd, He's like, he does, unbeknownst to him, he's helping him in this extremely crucial way. <laughs> because if not for him trying to cut that guy's head off in order to kill and duel Askeladd, Askeladd would have been killed by the crossbowman. Yeah. Irony of ironies. <laughs> Indeed. Um, I mean, my history knowledge, or my knowledge of history around the time of the Vikings uh, here is sketchy. Like, the, the most I really remember is from what I learned when I was in school. Uh, which is just broad stuff about, you know, Norman the Conqueror and the Bayo Tapestry and things like that. And I might even got the Bayo Tapestry on its place in history. I could be thinking of something much later on. Just take everything I'm saying with a massive grain of salt here. But from what I do remember of, of warfare, generally speaking, like, the kind of role that Thorfinn plays as a scout and also as an assassin, uh, I don't think it was a common thing back then. Certainly not amongst like the Danes or the Vikings. Again, this is just me being speculative more than anything because I don't have hard knowledge to back this up. So if people do know uh, more than I do about if people like Thorfinn or, you know, who serve that kind of role in the military, even in a group, were commonplace or more common than I might think, then I'm certainly interested to hear. Please, please do chime in on that. Um, but yeah, I would agree that he has certainly very been very useful to Asgard to this point. Probably despite Askeladd's own, you know, be- initial belief or, you know, theory or thinking on that. Because, you know, oh, go scout. You know, get eaten by wolves. Then Thorfinn lives and, you know, they have the advantage all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So, 
I think that uh, I think that you're right. It brings to mind, funnily enough, like because Asclad does. Oh, <laughs> I thought I had fixed illuminates. This. Illuminates. Oh, work. Oh no! I've I've just ruined it. Is what I've done. Continue, please. We. Uh, we apologize for the guest appearance of Slenderman on this particular episode of Warrior Death Show. We will certainly point back in his box. But anyway, <clears throat> like, the thing that this actually reminds me of, of all things, um, and this is me getting into being a sci-fi nerd of all, of all things, is uh, Frank Herbert's Dune novels, specifically the very first one. Uh, I won't bore you all to death with going into a massive plot recitation of the first Dune book. But I will mention what happens at a certain point, which is that Paul Atreides, the protagonist of the book, he becomes part of a tribe of warriors named the Fremen, uh, who specialise in knife fighting. Like, they're ridiculously good at it. Uh, and he's taken under the wing of the tribe's leader named Silgar. And at some point, the tribe uh, have this societal or social understanding that because Paul is arguably a better fighter than Silgar is, and Silgar is a better fighter than everyone else, he will take over He'll kill Stilgar in one-on-one combat and take over as ruler, which Paul says is fucking stupid because, you know, well, we're down one good fire then. Why cannot, you know, what, do you think we're the fucking Sith? Come on, grow up. Um, but why am I bringing this up in relation to this? I think that perhaps maybe Ascalad is doing this duel now, not necessarily because he feels any obligation to fall off and to do so, but more perhaps to retain his own rank and position. Because people are impressed with what Thorfinn's done. Like, yeah, you did good, kid. You're pretty tough. And, you know, right. they see that he's actually pulled these feats mm-hmm. off. Like, if you think about it, what did Asclad really do in that battle? Rode on a boat and just went, oh, go kill everyone. <laughs> really did. And at one point he was, like, doing his little sing-song voice when they were in the fort. Like, oh, no, go and kill him. <laughs> was he turning into a Disney villain? I wonder. <laughs> it was very sing-song in the delivery. And then the French came in and we were like, holy shit, look what they did. But yeah, he didn't... Can we expect an Ascalad didn't do anything. Can, can we expect an Ascalad cover of Be Prepared? <laughs> I hope so. Can we get that happening? I reckon that... Uh, I reckon that'd be good. I mean, we got links uh, from uh, Feowulf, which I'll mention in a minute. Uh, a potential album cover for Ascalad's rap. And maybe that could be his first cover. I... But anyway, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> I I wonder if that might be why Ascalad is ultimately agreeing to the duel because if Thorfinn keeps succeeding as he does and he keeps delaying the issue, people will think that he is genuinely a coward because Thorfinn is genuinely that good a fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will undoubtedly find out, but there's certainly potential for that there. There is. Uh, he keeps conveniently putting him off for different different reasons because you know he wants to just keep him in the fucking army. He sounds like a bad boyfriend to me. <laughs> yes. He does not want to... He doesn't want to lose this kid. He's too important. Um, oh, or he's he scared of us losing. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or he's scared exactly. of us. Either way. Um, okay. I think you're up now. As you re- refill deep. your uh, your stein there. Vi- yeah, it is actually a Viking beer sign that I won from a loot crate at Comic-Con. It reads as thus. This is to my Viking's breath, and this is to my Viking's death. Great motto. Uh, it's actually probably from the Vikings TV show, but I'm filling it with Diet Coke, so it's probably not the best <laughs> use of it. Do not worry, I will be drinking mead on stream at some point before we actually finish Finland Side. Good. That is Good. a cast-iron promise <laughs> for me to you fine folks listening today. 
Alright, so my next talking point. Let's actually talk about Thorfinn's insistence on a duel here. Okay. Now, if I had to... If, if you were to speculate, Doc, you don't even have to give me a number here. Put it in, like, the tens, maybe, or, the or like, you know, the ones or whatever. How many opportunities do you could you imagine that Thorfinn has had to just fucking backstab Askeladd at any given point over oh, the time that they've known each other? Uh... Never mind that we saw the actual one on screen where he could have killed him, but he didn't because he was a kid and was petrified of his of that. But think of all the time that's happened since then since he's become much more hardened as a warrior. You totally can believe he could have fucking backstabbed him at any point. Yep. So why is he so insistent on a duel then? If he wants revenge for his father, why does it need to be done by a duel? Why not just simply shank him when he's on the toilet or something? Because it's the way it's know. the way he went out, right? He lost mm. the duel. Uh yeah. So Yeah, so if you think of it this way, right? One of the things that we've seen happen so far is the loss of his humanity. Like the, as I said, like he's become diseased with with warfare. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it, for someone who was warned away from it by his father before his father's untimely death, he is reveling it. He is carving and cutting his way through fucking England, France. You know, he he's murdering the shit out of everyone. But he hangs on to that kind of civilized sense of combat that civilized understanding between two people of the duel to honor his father and i think that might be the anchor that's presented to us as the audience that Thorfinn hasn't completely gone truly feral or wild or cruel or evil or whatever you know word you want to use for it because vinland saga thus far like i think it's had a, a kind of like you know fairly nuanced understanding of is violence acceptable? Is violence necessary? Um, feel free to keep typing, Amy, by the way, while I read out this particular point here, and then we'll come and address that in just a moment. But yeah, um, is violence, like, ever justified or appropriate? If you want my perspective on it, I take a kind of grey morality stance, which is that, of course, I don't believe that you should be going around kicking the shit out of people for no reason. But I think that there is certainly the time for vigilance and the time to fight back against aggression. But then, of course, it gets more nuanced than that in that, you know, what do you define as aggression? You know, if someone just insults you, does that then give you the right to break every bone in their body? Does that give you the right to punch them? It's a very complicated thing. When it comes to me, yes. (laughs) 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 I just... I've been exactly one fight in Um, my life. Although I did win that fight. It was many, many years ago on the football field. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were referring to the battle you were having with the Lysol Rockets. <laughs> no, I'm going to lose that fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, like, for me, like, violence is sometimes necessary as a defense, and it can be justified in uh, therefore. It's not something I would ever demand, like, ever say that it should be used offensively. But even then, you know, it's muddy the war, like, you can in theory invade a country out of, you know, a desire for defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that simply saying outright all violence is bad, period. I think that that's a very idealistic way of looking at things, and I you know, appreciate it. But the pragmatic truth of it is that it's not the case. Sometimes there are evil men out there in the world, and as the old saying goes, when evil triumphs when good men do nothing, and sometimes good men must commit violence in order to do that. But, obviously, what Askeladd and, indeed, Thorfinn are doing is they're committing violence just for the fucking jollies of it, like they're off out, you know, going on yep. a pub crawl. They're not committing it for any other reason than to pillage and plunder and, you know, have their merry way with the townsfolk and all that awful shit. 
Fors, by contrast, when he fought against Askeladd, he took severe restraint in, you know, fighting back against him. Outright not even killing him. But there could be arguments made, as I've suggested when we analysed the previous episodes, that maybe he should have killed Askeladd. Maybe he should have had, you know, took his head off, and that might have caused his men to scatter and allowed them to escape. And so I wonder if, you know, Thorfinn hanging on to the idea of a duel is his, like, last shred of not be coming back to the boy he was originally. That's long since gone. That's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like him hold, like imagine holding on to like you know the edge of a building mm. or a cliff. Right. It's the thing that he grips on so tightly that if he achieves it, he'll pull himself back up, and he'll not be the same person, of course. But he'll have retained a sense of dignity, a sense of you know that honor, that civilized manner in conducting himself, rather than just being well as no different than Ascalon was. And indeed, we can certainly wonder about Askeladd's own willingness to adhere to the duel when, as much as I say that, you know, Thorfinn could have murdered the shit out of him whenever he wanted, what sort of stops Askeladd from doing Ex- that? Yep. Bjorn could, just held, Bjorn could just held him down, he could have just turned him to pop-up pirate. Yeah. And a one dagger, and a two dagger, and a three dagger, and oh boy, there comes the jam. So, yeah. yeah. This is what I'm uh, saying that- about, like, don't dismiss Askeladd as, like, a, a paper villain. Like, hmm. a villain for sure, but, um... You know, he's not like evil incarnate, uh, or or maybe yeah, maybe he maybe he's just not like sort of evil uh, in this in the kind of chaotic bestial way that Thorfinn, like you're saying, wants to avoid also becoming by sticking to kind of this code of duel and also wanting poetic justice for his father by beating beating a person honorably in a duel who. The only reason he beat his dad was through dishonorable means in that duel. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, just to address Amy's point, we'll cover that now. Yeah. Uh, so for those who are not currently, might be listening to this on SoundCloud later, just so you are clear on what's been asked here, to quote, What are your thoughts on Askeladd's armor? He wears a breastplate which no Viking wears, and in that era is not common at all to wear. Um, speaking for myself here, like, I... I'm not so worried about it right now. It could be relevant later in the manga, perhaps as certainly perhaps a family heirloom or something like that. As it is right now, it's just a point of aesthetics. And as I've said before in the first episode we covered, like historical authenticity is not strictly speaking necessary to tell a good story. Uh, if that's there and you know it's not authentic to the Viking experience, it's not addressed later, then that can be a quibble point. I don't I don't blame you for thinking, well, why is that there? Did they really care about it when they got all the other stuff right? Um <laughs> But for but for me, I honestly haven't thought much about it. I hope there's something to it. Because, you know, I mean, we do have the mirror, you know, we'll then actually mirror quite nicely with Thorfinn's own experience of still retaining his father's dagger. So here... Which, by the way... Oh, sorry. No, no, no. You, you go ahead and finish, and then I'll say my piece. Yeah, just, 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 to, just to mention very quickly about the dagger, by the way, uh, Thorfinn mentions uh, when he's at the negotiating table with uh, Jabafé, uh, you know, I want my father's memento. It's a memento of my father. Mm-hmm. But again, bear in mind what I said to you about, all before about the way this is presented in the manga. This is the first time we all have heard of yeah. being from his father, yeah. and that's a leading. Then that gives you interested in like, where's his father? Is is it? You know, is his father? Dare I say, Askeladd? You've got got a fucking clue at this point. Yeah, what's going on? I mean, so you, it's a, it's another hook to keep you interested. But it's kind of redundant at this particular point because we know. What it yeah, is. I mean, I like the fact that it's there, but it's hard to deny, like you said, the 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 narrative power of 
those kind of things being before what we've already seen mm-hmm. in their original order. So my take on on Amy's question about Askeladd's breastplate is just that. So it's not common for Vikings to to have it, but I, um, these folks are mercenaries, you know, so they're not like necessarily part of um, the national army. So they do things like just go to French forts and kill people uh, and take the storehouse and, and take me. So he could have belonged to someone he else. He probably took it from another, but, but I think that he wears it and no one else wears it because, uh, because he's a coward because it's for self-preservation you know what i mean like it's so that the thing that happened to one of the guys on his boat uh who just got shot through the chest with a crossbow won't happen to him you know he's he but then again he just casually deflates the arrow with his sword like oh but um and it broke through that one guy's wooden shield um but i yeah i think this is him saying like you know I, I'm necessary, like, of course, I value my life. I don't want to die. But look, <laughs> the men will let me wear this because I'm necessary to this outfit. Like, I'm the... I'm a big swing Yeah, and I'm the brains of the operation. Without me, this mercenary band is nothing. Um, and so I think it's... I mean, what, are you going to put Bjorn in charge? you going to put Bjorn in charge? <laughs> Get out of here. He'll have you searching for mushrooms for weeks. Exactly. It's like... Oh, look at that more... Look at that. We're going to the more pillaging spree, lads. Woohoo. Oh, great. Check Back that to out. The swamp. Who wants strong enough? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I totally think that this is to, to play up that aspect of his character, the sort of cowardly uh, bits of it. Um, but uh, since we haven't read the manga, maybe there's more to it. <laughs> we'll see. Ooh, stay tuned, loyal viewers. Um, do you have another talking point, Doc? Yeah, I do. <sighs> Punch it, Chewy. Speaking of Chewy, <laughs> can we talk about Javante? Can we just oh, talk God. about Javante being disgusting? One of the grossest uh, anime characters that I've seen in a minute. I mean, sure, you know, I call them uh, Walking Titan. And the Titans are funny looking. But they didn't have, like, snot dribbling down their face. They didn't, like, breathe yawn breath into the into the camera. You didn't see a nasty-ass morning breath floating in the... Like the marks on his face and he's just always eating and it's just disgusting he's a disgusting person a gross character and i guess the embodiment of like the decadent nobility being detached from the rest of the soldiers and being above it all and no no he one sat in a chair fanning himself like he's watching a fucking movie yeah. Like, it, it should have been one of, like, it's literally the Viking equivalent of one of those chairs you take to camping that has a little drink holder in it. The one that folds out. Yes. <laughs> but you, yeah, you're right. And, like, the reason I say that he is portrayed as being so corpulent and disgusting and wretched is because when you frame it again as being, like, the very first part of the story's run, well, we need someone who's very clearly identifiable as the shithead, visually speaking. And he certainly serves that purpose. Like we're not I don't think we're gonna see him again. Oh no. I mean Oh he's done. <laughs> I mean what was the name what was the name of the uh the gentleman who had the who was the slave owner at the start whose name I forget? Oh god damn it. Uh 
Oh, it was a good name. It was a really good name. Oh, what was it? Bob. Huh. Bob? Huh. Sort of with an H, right? Half, Half Dan. Dan. Yes. Half Dan. Not yeah. the whole Dan. Half Dan. Only uh, Half the Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're more like I think we're more much more likely to see Half Dan make a return than that fucking, you know, toady little piece of shit. Uh you know. But yeah, you're right. Like that's the reason he is the way he is, because he's a disposable insert character to, you know, get the audiences, you know, by, you know, making him so loathsome mm-hmm. to make us get behind Ascalad, as I mentioned before, like in the way that this works, if you assume it to be the first part of the story. Sure these Vikings. Rather than being lace run. They're they're mm-hmm. killing people, but at least they're not disgusting. Like yeah. they're fucking toad. <laughs> at least they're not a giant goiter. <laughs> yeah, right. Totally. Yeah, that's all yeah. I wanted to say. Exactly. I just wanted to talk about how he's Fair vile and loathsome. Mm-hmm. All right, so I have one more talking point to make before we go to uh, questions from patrons. Um, this is more of a kind of technical one here, um, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. So, when Thorfinn gets to the Red Team's, the Red French people's camp, uh, no one can understand him because he speaks Norse. And they eventually do find someone who can do that and he acts as translator. But here's the problem, quote-unquote, I have with this, in that they're all speaking Japanese. Now, you might say to yourself, well, fucking duh, it's a Japanese anime, that's the language it's in. But... I can't help but feel the meaning of this, like, whole, you know, fourth and can't speak the same language is a bit diminished when they're all speaking the same language, but you still, like, narratively to us, Japanese, that is, with subtitles. Um, and I, it does make me wonder, would Finland Saga be better off overall as a show if it did indeed have the authentic languages of its various peoples? Hmm. Uh, you've got, you know, your Nordic, your Danish, your French, your English. Because, I mean... I understand why it's there, like because obviously Thorfinn can't speak French, and indeed that's Askeladd's joke later on. That's fine, I get that totally, but it doesn't quite really work when it translates to an anime because then they're all speaking the exact same language. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I thought that the subtitles did a, a decent job of in that area, and I also liked the fact that when Thorfinn was talking. I only picked up on this the second time. You could hear the interpreter talking in a whisper behind him. It wasn't meant to drown out. It, they they mixed it in such a way that it didn't go over the top and distract from what Thorfinn was saying. But if you listened, you could you could hear it. So um, I don't know. I, I find myself unbothered by that sort of thing. What do you? Yeah, I I think maybe it would be more of an issue if language was a significant factor in the show's themes and ideas. Uh, whereas thus far it really hasn't been, but it just seemed a bit odd to me that that like it, it didn't quite have the desired effect. But thankfully, it was only just very functional in terms of its inclusion, rather than Thorfinn thinking to himself like I'm an alien in alien land. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, it does also kind of diminish the point later on where Thorfinn says like you know I'm going to kill the fuck out of you, Jabafay, or whatever he says. And Jabafay says you said something mean, didn't you? And I'm like, you're speaking the same fucking language. <laughs> he said just. Just attack, fat ass. <laughs> You'll see later. Yeah. I mean, what? I mean, what? Have you got too? Have you got too much? Like, you know, processed cheese between your ears, you fucking lump of lad. <laughs> oh, I, I can suspend my disbelief there with the. the I, I know, I know. Yeah. I'm being pedantic. Yeah. I'm being nitpicky here, but it just does make me wonder that you know, like, when you have, 
material like this that is very explicitly set in different countries that we mm-hmm. know and historically know. As much as I say that historical authenticity is secondary to telling a good story here, one does wonder what might have been different if, you know, they did have the actual languages. Because bear in mind, we are still reading subtitles, so functionally it would make no difference for us, the audience. I just don't, like, I, I've never been, uh, I guess, one to be on that corner. I understand the mm. idea, um, but there are people that are like, "Oh man, you know the Bacano anime or the Cowboy Bebop or not Bebop's a bad example, but the Bacano anime is a good one because it's set all completely in America. Like, there should be no Japanese voice acting. There should only be, you know, American. And you should only you should listen to the dub, the English dub in this one because it's mm. set in America and that's the authentic way, you know. And I'm just like, and and. Uh, I just like the Japanese language and Japanese voice acting. (laughs) So, I mean, in those instances, like the language is irrelevant because it's just the method of communication to the audience. This is different. You're right. Person, yeah. When it's characters communicating amongst each other, yeah. But as I say, in the in the scope of Vinland Saga, it's not really a big deal if I'm quite honest, because language is not, at least at the moment, uh, a big idea or theme of the show. If it was such a big thing, like, you know, where Thorfinn was just like, you know, I feel like I'm a fucking alien or mm-hmm. something like that. Like, if he was having a lot of self-examination about it, then it would be a problem. Right. Sure. Sure. But I can also understand just purely from a practical sense that if you were to hire, you know, let's say a Swedish uh, or Nordic voice actor to play that and then have your French actor, like, you've got to hire many different people to do that. That's probably expensive. Mm-hmm. You have to fly him in maybe to do studio work if you want to do it that way. So I can understand why you would do it from a business sense as well, just for the sake of not spending too much money. But anyway, just an observation. Call it an observation. Let's not call it an actual black mark against the episode. Just a quirk, I mm-hmm. suppose, of the way these things are made. It makes sense. All right. Even if you didn't bring in the, you know, do the the Danish, like if you just wanted to do the French and the Japanese, just as a counterpoint to, just as something different. You know what I mean? Then mm-hmm. for the the authentic effect. I mean, I could see it. I, I see how that could add to the scene for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I can still certainly understand what Fetcher Lavash means, but, I'm, you know, there's a time <laughs> to place for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Uh, do you have any more talking points, Doc, or should we move on to no, questions from the patrons? No, I don't. I'm ready for the patron questions. Uh, although, I, I can't right, pull then. them up on my screen because if I do, I have them here. Away. <laughs> Which maybe that's. I, I have them here. Do not worry. So, um, this first question comes from Trickster721, one of our patrons. Thank you for uh, dropping this in the chat, Trickster. Um, this is actually a two-part because I did ask for some clarification. So, just for the sake that our you know wonderful audience here can get the full context of what's been asked, I'll relate mm-hmm. it all. So, first thing um, is, is Vinland Saga a turning point for the censorship of violence in anime? Is Thorfinn committing knife crimes, or do medieval gaijin count as fantasy creatures? Now, I asked um, because when it comes to censorship, you need a time reference for this. You need to know what you're comparing it to. Because the 90s 90s anime in particular, uh, ultraviolence was the tone of the day for a lot of that. Not all of it, but a lot of it. Um, So I asked um, Trickster to expand it, and he said, uh, or they said rather, um, this show is deliberately stretching the boundaries of good taste. Especially for a very big mainstream show that's airing on NHK. That's... Oh, when somebody... Nope, go ahead. Sorry, my fault. 
Uh, when somebody was shot through the head in Saren's Amaya, for example, it results in a thin wisp of smoke coming out of their hair. Wounds are conveniently hidden from view by clothing or pieces of scenery, and when limbs are severed, anime characters are revealed to be made of some kind of strange coloured gelatin. I wonder what it tastes like. Do you reckon <laughs> orange or lime? Anyway, uh, this show is stretching those gore-limiting conventions to the absolute limit, turning them into parody. Also, in Attack on Titan, they were able to push the boundaries and get a lot of mileage out of unrealistic fantasy violence, but this is just a kid stabbing people with a knife in the real world. Uh, to be clear, I'm not debating the merits, I just felt like the creators were making quite the bold statement right from the opening sequence of the show. Uh, Trickster then offers the uh, time point of 2006, but I'm actually going to override that and expand backwards to the 90s, to that ultra-violent era I was well, referring to earlier, because I, um, I think that's Yeah, well, can I just work on... So, I think a lot of the things that people will think of when they think of that era of anime were not uh, aired on television. I think the key point is that this is a television show airing on uh, oh, Japanese yes. PBS in HK, right? And so, like, mm. if you're thinking about, like, you know, Ninja Scroll, Ghost in the Shell, uh, Uroski Doji, um, uh, Akira, you know, all those sorts of things are like movies or OAVs. You know, OAVs were a much bigger deal back then, the kind of straight-to-video market. In that way... You could have all kinds of rubbish like chimera and everything like totally uncensored because uh you you don't have to worry about the television uh folks uh causing a fuss whereas you know this is uh is airing and uh i don't know what the time slot is um i mean i know it's noitamina but i don't know like uh, what time this comes on if it's considered a fam well, <laughs> family viewing hour or whatever <laughs> you know what you know you say that i have to point this out practically every time i've watched this on amazon prime because mm -hmm. uh, i'm watching it legitimately because you know i like to you know try and put at least some money through my viewing back in the creator's pockets even though a lot of it's gonna go to jeff bezos <laughs> by the way jeff when you ending world hunger just just saying get, get on, on it that, please <laughs> do it useless fuck um but anyway um Whenever I look at this on Amazon Prime, I keep getting adverts for the Amazon Prime Kids section, which includes such wonderful things as Peppa Pig. Oh. And I, I mentioned this before when I've said about Banana Fish and how like I hope people don't accidentally type that, like click on that when they're searching for bananas in pajamas uh -huh. or some shit. And apparently now Vinland Saga could very well end up being clicked on by some poor kid who just wanted to watch some Saturday morning TV. They wanted some, you know, Dora the Explorer. And they got an exploration show, all right. And they're like... Oh my god, I didn't realise the Vikings were so into strawberry jam. That's the excuse you'd have to use to get away with Parents. It. It's a nice one, Amazon. Put parental I mean, put parental controls on your streaming services. <laughs> yeah. I mean, between Amazon and Netflix, like Netflix is definitely leading in the race to the bottom on terms of how it handles its anime content. Because I think Netflix at this point is actively trying to stop people from watching it short of actually taking it off the air entirely. Or they have no understanding of what the word means, but that's he a different time. Anime. <laughs> It's my favorite headline to come out in a while. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let me just answer Trickster's question directly from my own perspective here. Now, I think that from my understanding of 90s violent anime, that's like the uh, the point that I'm going to use as the stand, like for the peak of anime violence. Part of me feels, and this is just my perspective, it's not necessarily true, but I get the impression that a lot of the violence that was present in those shows might have been influenced somewhat by western media at the time and western films being particularly violent i mean look at like the stuff in the late 80s like say predator for example 
you know, quite popular action films. Um, so I can see where that comes from, and I can see that, you know, maybe in time attitudes have shifted and changed to where that's no longer necessary. Now, I'm not against ultra-violence in general, um, although there are times when I think it does cross the boundaries of good taste and, you know, such and such. I mean, if you want to take, for example, like, say, um, Quentin Tarantino's, uh, what was it called again? Django Unchained, which is one of his personal favourite movies of mine after, like, Pulp Fiction. Like, in Django Unchained, like, there's that shootout scene at the end where there's just blood gushing everywhere. The entire plantation house, the hallway inside of it, is completely and utterly caked in the stuff. It's like the Kool-Aid man crashed a truck of his own product through the front door and then face-planted as he fell out. Or rather, when he put through the windshield. It's just everywhere. The violence is extreme. But there's a point to it. Because the violence that is happening there is against the white slave owners. And it's kind of like an almost vicarious revenge thrill, like seeing, you know, these awful reprehensible people just be dismembered and disemboweled by the gunfire that's happening. Whereas contrast that in the film with the violence against the black people, the very like authentic colonial slavery based violence of like the whips and like the manacles and all that. That's not presented as ultra violence at all. It's just presented as incredibly cruel and inhumane as it was. So there's a distinct contrast. There's an intent and a foreign intent behind that violence. So, for me, I don't mind ultraviolence in any medium, be it anime, live action, television, whatever, if it's executed with an intent. If you're putting it in there just because, hey, hey, it's Rambo killing time, I love my blood so good, oh boy, I'm gonna laugh this man's intestines fly out of his face, uh, you know, maybe take a step back and think about why you're doing it. Mindless violence is the issue here. I guess sometimes so, <clears throat> sometimes there's a sometimes that's okay. Oh, like yeah, you the, know, for I don't thinking about a lot of the things I referenced and also thinking about like kite, I think is a good like I mean it's way more sort of hyper violent than it needs to be. But I don't know, just something hmm. about that uh adds to the mood and aesthetic. Um so I guess I guess yeah. in that case you would say, well it's not mindless because it adds to mood and aesthetic, so I've just answered my yeah. own charge there. <laughs> yeah. it's. I'm going to stress that what I just said was not a hard and cut rule. There'll always be exceptions where you could simply have a, a film that is purely graphic violence that is very stylized and that in itself can justify mm-hmm. it. But for me, like when I think of a lot of the anime, like we watched Angel Cop for Christ's sake. We're still not done with Angel Cop. Exploding in, yeah. <laughs> people's heads were like evaporating and all that, you know, and they were being turned into, you know, what you'd find in the Morrison's Butcher's section. <laughs> But the thing is, that was happening, and it had it was there just because it was there. It its presence and inclusion was just because, hey, let's have a look, you know, like let's just make everyone's head explode because this is the aesthetic of shows and like media back then. Mood, you know, this is a mood. It's not actually there for any legitimate reason. It's just so stupid and pointless. It's because this show is dark, Shadon. Darkness is our. It's the yeah is the mood it's our aesthetic don't we've got too much red ink don't question it they had a fire sale on it we need to use it all just throw it everywhere it'll be fine blood um and so when it comes to vinland saga and what tricks you're saying about black (laughs) i just had to say oh good god uh blood orange blood orange (laughs) is new black Hey, hey there we go there we go um 
So just to address Trix's point specifically with regards to Vinland Saga, like, I hope I made it clear in the previous discussion we had about that particular scene that springs to my mind when this point comes up, of Thorfinn, like, being covered in blood versus Asgard being covered in blood, and the contrast between their reactions to it, where Thorfinn starts screaming like he's just, you know, like his soul is being flayed alive, whereas Asgard's just got like, huh, where'd that come from? Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Is this is this yours? Right. Is this yours? Oh, I'm so sorry for taking your blood. I didn't mean to do mm-hmm. that. What type are you? Oh, oh, positive. Very nice. Very nice. I'll, I'll just leave that there. Bye-bye. Um, so there's that. And then I mentioned, of course, the scene at the end of the episode where uh, Older Forfin, you know, like not fully Older Forfin, uh, is stained with blood on the side of his face and his hair. And it looks like he's diseased. That's the visual image I took from that. It's a good shout by you. So in, Vinland- so in Vinland Saga's case, I think the violence has an intent behind mm-hmm. it. Because indeed, Thorfinn's you know journey will be to try and escape this brutality, and the violence is this ever-present reminder of that being there, but also perhaps a reminder of his familiarity. Like we take notice of it because we're like you know very happy, comfy you know audience behind the fourth wall, just watching all this blood being spilled everywhere. Like holy shit! Like fucking hell, we're on a killing spree here. Uh, but Thorfinn, of course, is like, eh, eh. I mean, I'm not going to pretend that you know. Because I think you could even make a lot of arguments that we are overly desensitized to violence anyway. Mm. For my part, I'm perfectly fine with it as is. But, you know, sometimes it can help to be a little self-critical of it. Maybe, you know, there's too much in certain shows versus others. I think that insofar as said ship goes, I don't think there's any broad conscious attempt to censor violence in anime overall. I think it's just more of a cultural shift of change of times, like reflecting like what we see in Western media. And also changing tastes and attitudes, as you said, like you know, a lot of that stuff came out on OAVs. So that's a that's a market, like you know, for people already wider. Mm-hmm. Whereas public broadcast, you know, there are standards and such. Uh, but don't take my discussion that I've just given you there as anything even approaching comprehensive on like violence in you know media and specifically in anime and how it's handled versus how it should be. As I say, for me, <clears throat> my litmus test is: is there an intent to it? E- even if it's just stylistic, is it you know? an ultra-violent action, slickly produced action flick. If that's the case, and the action's thrilling and exciting, I can get behind that. If it's there just because for some reason they decide to, you know, have this guy's head evaporate and have his eyeballs roll around inside a glass of lemonade for no fucking reason. No thank you. Uh, it's a bit daft. Although I will say that I don't react as, as aggressively to like ultra-violence that isn't justified in anime as I do to say unjustified fan service. I mean, you've heard me bang my drum out there enough times now. There will boy set of it again. <clears throat> so I hope that's the reasonable answer for you there, Trix. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, I think that the violence has an intent in Vinland Saga, and that's why I'm perfectly okay with it being here. Even if it is, as you say, like, you know, there's just buckets of the shit flying everywhere. So, I, for my part, I'm not going to pretend either <sighs> to be um, like someone who has really paid attention to this trend and followed it over the years because so much of I think what I consume will be stuff like violent anime that uh, has its violence put back in you know what I mean like because there's a difference between the broadcast version and then oftentimes the blu-ray version will go back and erase all the fog and put the blood in there and things like that so like there's that Mm -hmm. is a consideration and like i've seen like i can't separate 
what I've seen from like, okay, did I see the broadcast version of that? Or did I see the Blu-ray version of that with the violence and sex put back in? Um, so there's that aspect. Um, I haven't been like watching like since 2006, like nearly enough anime. I'm sure there's like vi- super violent anime we're just not aware of, you know, um, that have aired in that time. So like, I have a lot of knowledge gaps on this, but I do think like we do have here like a really visible and well-regarded show that is, um, it, it, even if it's not pushing the envelope, like it is, um, it's right up against the boundary in terms of violence and anime that is shown on television. I think like Felix mentioned in chat, like, I think the historical aspect of the story has a lot to do with um, why it's there and why it's probably being allowed uh, because it was an incredibly violent time and for it to feel authentic, (laughs) Mm. it needs this violence. Mm. But bear in mind that historical authenticity should fall second to telling a story. But even then, the blood and violence still exactly. purpose. Exactly. This is exactly the point I was just going to say. It was, and like you were saying, it's not just that the violence is it's an accurate sort of thing it's that it is important to the story they're trying to tell the brutality is necessary so i mm. think those things put together you have uh, a good justification if you're uh the studio for putting it out there like this you know it's funny like the trickster's question has got me thinking so we, we've we seem to have had a couple times this year like uh, especially in Noitamina, uh, people, creators getting to just push the envelope in terms of content, like the whole Saras and my, you know, butts and sexual imagery and <laughs> like all the gay shit, like just so over the top, like such that you think, wow, like how did he pitch this? Because usually, you know, it's conservative people in the chairs that you're pitching to, but he just he, Ikahara gonna he just lied about it <laughs> or didn't tell the whole story. And Ikahara is gonna Ikahara, and by God, you ain't did this fucking thing. And then you have this with the the violent side of things. So it's an, an interesting like thing to note about 2019. I think in anime is that mm-hmm. um, is that this kind of content it seems to be like we we seem to be like pushing the envelope for lack of a better phrase. Uh, which is really cool. Hmm. Yeah. If I may uh, provide a slight spoiler for a current patron-only project that I'm doing at the moment, but because it will be relevant, uh, Akikin, which I've recently <laughs> watched, and... Sorry, I can't help it. Sorry. Uh, you did it to Little Bell. Shouts to you. <laughs> I'm going to ignore what you just said. Um, but like, there's a scene in that that I won't go into too much detail because you'll actually, you know, what listen to my whole cast on it, where the main character is violently injured and he's bleeding everywhere. It's a fucking etchy comedy show. There's a certain thing called tone that you need to appreciate and understand, even if you're doing a daft piece of shit like that. And it was so fucking jarring. So there is a time, even you know, when ultra violence or even just plain old violence is not suited because it doesn't fit the subject matter. Like I said. It's not a question of it just simply being ultraviolence a problem, it's a question of the execution application. Uh, to answer your question, Eiji, uh, I was, again would similarly feel that it's part of the aesthetic and part of the thematic purposes. 
like when you see i keep thinking back to that scene of a i can't remember the kid's name uh yeah, I can't remember the little Mi- brother. Mi- 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 Miko's mm-hmm. little brother, when he transforms his devil, and you have that long, drawn-out scene of his father, like, deciding if he's going to kill him or not. And it's torturous to watch because it's emotionally draining for it to go on for so long to see him just waver back and forth. And then, bang, he is blown away by the military in a split second. And he is utterly turned into red mist. And it's shocking it, it reinforces the shock of what's just happened and the brutality of the military doing that to someone who's grieving for the loss of his son and his and his wife. And it's just snuffed out like that. The violence accentuates the, the trauma that you feel as opposed to him just simply disappearing and never being seen again. It serves a purpose. There's intent behind it. As opposed to, like I say, oh, well, we had, you know, we got a load of red paint in the fire sale. Blah, 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 blah. Fire it everywhere you know fucking whatever also a lot of it is very cartoonish violence in crybaby like especially early on and it's mm-hmm. i think it says a lot of that show that it gets us to emotionally invest to the point where those things hurt so bad i mean we're still talking about that scene a year and a half later and it's still hard um, that to scene's think gonna about. be too um i'm gonna be talking about the scene in probably 20 years time if not longer amy um since I haven't seen you around the chat, I don't know if you are uh, uh, regular for Water You Death Show, but we did a, um, a podcast, and some bits of it are on our YouTube channel. But you could find on our SoundCloud, um, and you'll see a link in the scroll at the bottom. Uh, we did a Devilman Crybaby episode with our friends from Anime Is Lit. It's one of my favorite pot. Yeah, one of my uh, one of my favorite podcast episodes we've ever done. If you want to know our extended four hour <laughs> thoughts on Devilman Crybaby. Uh, check out that episode. You, you want some Devman Crybaby podcast ASMR? We got you covered. <laughs> now, you may be asking because you didn't and, like Crybaby. In that case, you can skip that episode because we loved it and we talk good things about it. But uh, but yeah, that's yeah. there if you are interested. Um, next patron question. Indeed. All right, so we're going to move on to something a bit lighter. I've, I've, got, <laughs> I've got a Google uh, note file here that I've written down answers for this. Ask the question. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> Uh, so what is the name of Askeladd and Bjorn's music album? Uh, this comes from Feowulf, who submitted to us uh, a still image of the scene in which he, uh, Askeladd and Beowulf, are uh, on the boat, and Askeladd's like this, with his crown on and his giant king's robe, and it just says, Parental Advisory, Explicit Content. Uh, so we'll open this to the chat. What would the name of this uh, album be? What, what would it be? So- this first of all, Theowulf, my guy, my person. <laughs> Thank you. This, this is the fucking like shit that I live for. This is my favorite. So, I, like I said, I have spent time yesterday and today coming up with names for this album <laughs> because. It is, and the, the parental advisory sticker made me think of shopping for hip-hop albums in the 90s, CDs, that were fucking heinously expensive, like $25 uh, for a fucking CD back in the day. It was just such a robbery. But okay. Um, and, and yes, picture, I, I can't. I don't want to 
take our faces off the screen and fuck up uh risk fucking up obs to find the link and post it but i will i will go one better and i will do that for you uh if you're allowed to post links in the youtube chat i hope that you are uh i'm sure i can make it happen yeah so picture Askeladd decked out in all of his rings and his crown as gold bjorn sitting on top of a treasure box you got the big parental advisory sticker in the corner here are some candidates for the name of this album which i took to be a hip-hop album you may believe it is more of a viking metal thing but here we go tell me which one of these you like best shadon Oh, good God. Bjorn to Mac. Bjorn to Mac. Um, Okay. Straight out of Vinland. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's definitely... That's definitely uh, up there, but carry on. I know you have more. The Mead Father. Ooh, that's Uh, good. Odin forgives, we don't. It's probably my that's my favorite one <laughs> odin forgives we don't uh this is a deep cut right here this is a deep cut for uh fans of wu-tang clan um uh standout uh rhymesman the jizza uh liquid ores okay not liquid swords but liquid ores uh odin's eyes on me uh to as a nod to the the sort of pseudo spiritual element found in a lot of hip-hop and finally the rune print those are those are the candidates for this album it sounds like you like straight out of vinland the best oh my god Uh, straight out of vinland is definitely my personal favorite um i'm gonna gonna make a poll out of this when when we finish Oh, for sure. <laughs> Carson's got a good one there. Get rich or die raiding. Thank you. I was I was really trying to come up with one for that, uh, but I couldn't do. It. Thank you, Blinkaji. You, that's superb. <laughs> that is superb. Oh my god. Uh, I the only one I've come up with in the time since we is a is a play on a System of a Down album, uh, which is Pillage This Album. Okay. Okay. Because they had Steal This yes. Album. Yes, that's a good one. one. Of the best album title, or the best album titles ever. Oh man, like that that Fucking hell, Ascalad, you <laughs> You son of a bitch. James Beckett, friend of the pod in our Discord, mentioned that Ascalad had to have the dollar signs in his name. Oh of course. Which is great. The miseducation of Thor fans. So can 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 yep. you imagine him having like two like knuckle dusters, one that has Ask E and then L A Double D on mm-hmm. here? Ask a lot. <laughs> you would talk. That'd be awesome. Be fucking I can see awesome. It. Oh, I can see it, man. How about just how about just a Thor's is dead? <laughs> they just called their album Thor's, De- and it was like a Thor's diss record. <laughs> that would rule. <laughs> I'm sorry. God, what a great question. Oh, Theowulf. Thank you. Oh, you man. you two can ask questions I, like this if you are uh, a patron on patreon.com slash watery death show. If you subscribe at the Scythe Master tier or above, 
you will be able to uh, ask us questions. You'll be assigned the lovely patron, lovely inquisitive patron role in our Discord and able to ask us these questions, which we have to answer no matter how silly they are, as proven by what we've just done. <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right, uh, so that otherwise I think covers all the uh, the material we want to cover about episode seven, Normandy. Uh, what we did do last time, for brevity's sake, what we will do this time is we'll rate the episode. Yeah. Uh, I think we've got we've got plenty of choicings to make joke racings about. I think this particular time around. Uh, so, Doc, I will swing it over to you first and let you uh, put your racing down. All right. I am. Um... All right. I had to just write backwards very quickly, which is the thing that I'm not very good at. So it's going to look pretty <laughs> rough. But uh, I have decided to give this episode, uh, which was, I thought, really good. Um, I thought, like you mentioned, like there were maybe one or two kind of storytelling things th- that did just take me out of it a tiny bit. Not because they themselves were bad. I think it's only because I knew that this was the first chapter of the manga. Maybe if I hadn't known that, it wouldn't have taken me out as much. But because I knew that, I was sort of subconsciously looking for things to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was that should have been first. That would have made more sense at the beginning. Even though, you know, what I said earlier in the stream, like, I, I think there is a thematic kind of thing that you can pull out of the resequencing about just there are no good guys in war and you know everyone's a shithead everyone is is bad and a killer and war you know makes makes uh even guys you might like into awful people and and it has all the awful people too that are unredeemable well never changes (laughs) thank you fallout um uh, it had that incredible scene of the Vikings running across the plains and over the hills carrying their ships, which is just, like, just perfection for me. It, it just was so good. So, all that being said, uh, and you got the great, we got great moments with Thorfinn. He looked really tired. Uh, in my my notes, I have that the episode title of this, instead of Normani, was Thorfinn Looks Tired. Uh, Because he just looked very, just deadpan most of the time. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna give this um, 4.25 dragons coming over the waterfall out of five. Hmm. All right. Um, I feel kind of bad giving the show, giving this episode the rating I'm gonna give it, but I'm not gonna lie. I think the one thing I should probably elaborate on is that like, okay, what what does this episode accomplish narratively? The duel's on. At some point. It's going to happen. But other than that, we not much of the plot is moved forward. Now, the thing is, though, as I've said, like, this episode makes much more sense, in my opinion. Like, you could actually watch this as the very first one and then go to episode one and play it from there. I think you could do that without any real issue. Um, and to me, it would hmm. make be rated much more highly at that position in the show's chronology, if that's where it was. But it's not. It's here now, and so some of its luster is indeed lost. Uh, for me, as a result, for all the various things I've said, plus the fact that it seems intent by accident on glamorizing Ascalad when he is still a complete wanker, and we can't forget that. We have to be careful of remembering that. 
Uh, I am in the end going <clears> to <throat> give this episode. It's, it's still good, still insane. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I am going to give it three point seven five. Oh, how dare you! Uh, pencils. Sh- you went below four 3. stars. Three point seven five pencil shaped rams out. It did look like a, like a brown coloring pencil. Let <laughs> it. No. <laughs> hmm. Oh man. Although although I will offer you an alternate racing for if this had been the very first episode, uh, I would give that um, probably more closer to a four point two five as you say, or maybe even a four point five. Mm. Because that's very clearly where a lot of its intent is, and some, um, you know, and where it'd be much more effective in setting us up, as well as being a baller intro. Like, because at that point, we can at least, without the burden of prior knowledge, unironically get on board with Ascalad doing awesome shit. But we can't do that now because we are burdened with that prior knowledge. Not entirely. I mean, yeah, yeah. I your mileage may vary. Right. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a gigantic sign. You're for such that. a you're such a foul being for rating this below four four stars. I can't even explain. You're the true villain of of Vinland Saga discourse. Um, I I, I don't know. Like I, I yeah. I mean I see the complaints. Uh, I I don't think anything you're saying is is uh, wrong. Although, like I you know like I said, it's different ways to kind of justify it in my head. Yeah, but I, I just, I don't know. I, I think I just liked it. I think I just liked what was there, maybe more, more than you. Um, Your mileage may vary. And Ding. it used to, it used to be like the more you know stuff. <laughs> so I, yeah, I think I maybe just liked it more. Um, I, you know, I was thinking, like I said on our given, uh, series this past uh this past time when we were talking about episode six which you can also get on patreon mm-hmm. by the way if you're a tier bando subscriber you can get those when they come out or wait for the two-week delay and get them for free um do it uh i was saying that that show due to its pace uh i'm enjoying the week-to-week viewing and mitigates a lot of the pace problems uh pace related problems that i would have with it otherwise I think this show is the opposite. Like I, if I didn't have to be reviewing this every week, like I would wait for it to end and just watch all of it. It feels like such Binge a marathonable show, and this would just kind of be, I, I, like I wouldn't just sort of focus on it in isolation so much. I think it would sort of work its way into the flow of the story better um, in my brain than. All right, let's look yeah. at this twenty-six minutes of foot. You know, this is you know the pitfalls of episodic analysis. Very, 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 very compartmentalized approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things slot into the bigger picture, certainly. Um, but yeah, your mileage did vary. Uh, to answer your question, there, Amy, I think that um, we'll need, we'll probably need to come back to you next time on this. So if you want us to come back for episode uh, eight when we cover the Ocho saga, well, <laughs> yeah, the Ocho. Uh, we'll cover it as a side point at the end. If you can just let us know before we go, of course, what you mean by mess breaking. Like, what's the what is the meta? Why is being broken? Mm-hmm. Just so we're working off the same set yeah. of standards. Yeah, if you if you uh, you know want to like tweet at us at what are we show later or email us at mm-hmm. Gmail, whatever you want to do to elaborate, um, then uh, then we can talk about it next time. For sure, for sure. Um, anyway. 
As always, everyone, thank you very much for joining us this fine evening to discuss Finland Saga episode seven. Uh, we'll be back next week to cover episode eight. We'll be back this week for Given. Yeah. Uh, I am currently in the process of uh, putting together my script and, you know, probably excess of 45 minute long, you know, screaming agony rant about Akikin. Uh, if you're interested in that and all a lot of other juicy content we've done, uh, do please consider becoming a patron for as little as uh, two dollars mm-hmm. a month. You access to the good stuff. You're three dollars up. Um, if you have discovered us through SoundCloud, iTunes, um, or the like, uh, please feel free to give us a like, a subscriber, a rating, whatever's appropriate for the service, just to help our discoverability. As we would really appreciate that. Uh, to answer your question, it can vary when we stream. It depends on personal circumstances. Uh, but as uh, Doc has very nicely pointed out in chat there, Mondays and Tuesdays are typically our day. You can keep an eye on our Twitter feed for when we'll be doing it. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, I just want to again thank everyone for joining us. Uh, we will indeed be back next week. Uh, until then, of course, as we're always very fond of saying on this show, because we're such dirty Macross stands. Well, you know. Uh, Embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Have a cracking evening.